0: Welcome to the Waukesha Bible Church Podcast. We believe the Bible tells a single story, and at the center of that story
1: is Jesus. If you like what you hear today, additional sermons, teaching sessions, and written material can be found on our website at waukeshabible.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode.
0: Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew eleven one through nineteen. When Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples, and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind received their sight, and the And the lame walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out and see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold... From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds.
1: Thank you so much. Please be seated. We are in Matthew chapter 11. One of the big tie-ins that we are making is how the New Testament uses the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is the second most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament and I trust that we can see these tracks, these lines that are being laid for us in our study during the Advent season. Advent calls us to celebrate, it calls us to anticipate that Christ is indeed coming. Now he has come in his first coming but we fully expect him in his second coming to return and we are very thankful for that But Jesus is the answer to John's question. The question that John asks is simply this. Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? What we have seen multiple times in our study of the Bible is that Jesus Christ is the one who fulfills all Old Testament promises, prophecies, patterns, and pictures. And we will either confess Jesus Christ as such, or we will perish under his rule. Now those whom God has touched seek him. The natural man does not seek God. We know this from Romans chapter 3. But the one whom God touches seeks him. In a simple cursory manner, we can hear the voices of several during this Advent season. For example, the Magi asked King Herod in Matthew two two, Where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? Simeon in Luke chapter 2 verse 25 The statement is made, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. Anna, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36, it is said of her, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. In verse 38, at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Philip, in John chapter 1, it says in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then Nathanael is the doubter. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Speaking to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Verse 49 Nathanael answered him rabbi you are the son of God you are the king of Israel And then the greeks in john chapter 12 verse 20 It says now there were some greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast These then came to philip who was from bethsaida of galilee and began to ask him saying sir We wish to see jesus During this advent season. We wish to see Jesus John asked of Jesus, Are you the one that we are looking for, or should we seek someone else? Advent is our time of seeking, of reflecting, and of joining ourselves to him through an awareness of his presence and power. God is with us. We are to awaken to that presence. Every decision we make causes an action that results in a consequence, and inaction is also a decision decision not to act. A consequence is a result of the decision or choice that you make depending on the situation and circumstances that you are in at the time. We all make many decisions every day in the course of our lives. And in the midst of this swirling mass of decision-making, there sits one decision, one choice, whose answer to the question sits the entire destiny of your eternal soul. Who is Jesus Christ? In Matthew chapter 16 When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They said, and this is unique to Matthew, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And that's the question we ask ourselves this morning. Who do we say that he is? Peter responded by saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How we answer that question is humanity's most fundamental question. Like our passage in Matthew 16, and then in Matthew chapter 11 with John the baptizer, we have the similar question. Are you the one who is to come? Is Jesus Christ the one? Or should we be looking for another? Let us pray before we continue. Dear Father, we are asked a direct divine question, who do we say Jesus is? That is a personal question, is a corporate question. John asked a similar question, is Jesus the one or should we be looking for another? Modern day Jews seek another, Muslims seek another, humanists seek another, but we, Father, we seek Jesus and Jesus only. The songwriter wrote, You are the way maker. You are the miracle worker, the promise keeper. You are light in the darkness. You are our God. That is who you are. And we with them declare this truth. Holy Spirit, cause us to see Jesus as the fulfillment of the prophet's words. Today we do indeed bend our knees, our intellects, and our wills to you. Father, if you do not act, we perish. If the promises you have made are not true, If you do not deliver, then we are of all people most miserable. And thus we come. We come with brokenness and we ask for healing. Only you can do for us what our hearts desire and crave. Comfort the brokenness of souls. Father, may we indeed lean into Jesus until he comes. Amen. Our intent is to see how Jesus Christ is the one who was to come. And we cannot seek anyone else. Now, there are plenty of quotes in modern day literature that deny Jesus and that reject him. But their voices and their voices are legion. But our study in this passage is to hear what the Spirit says to us. The idea of John as the forerunner to the Messiah is clear from the Hebrew Scripture. The fact that John fulfills that role becomes indisputable in the study of Matthew. Listen to Matthew chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. It says, When it is evening, Jesus is speaking to the religious community. It will be fair weather. You say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. And the signs of the times is that John indeed has come. The forerunner has come. And as a consequence of John being a forerunner, Jesus Christ then indeed is the Messiah. And if the forerunner appears, then the Messiah has arrived. This is what John and Jesus understood to be true. This was their reality and it is ours. John is the forerunner. He is the Elijah. And Jesus Christ indeed is the Messiah. We're looking at Matthew chapter 11 and inside of matthew chapter 11 there are these three movements and i'm wanting to Study the three movements as it takes us through the text But john's question is noted in verses 1 through 6 it, that section ends in verse 6 with the statement Blessed is the one who is not Scandalized by me blessed is the one who is not offended by me It is hard for us to imagine that jesus christ could indeed be offensive that he could be scandalous that Jesus is a stumbling block to some. And yet there are many who find him offensive. You and I stand before our public community and we say he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father but through him. That is scandalous. That is offensive. That is a problem for many. But each section ends with the statement, blessed is the one who does not fall away, who is not scandalized because of me. Then you can see inside that initial paragraph or section, there are multiple quotations from the book of Isaiah. And then Jesus comments on what he just said concerning John's question. Are you the one or should we seek someone else? Jesus then speaks of the prophet John. He concludes in verse 15, He who has an ear, let him hear. If John indeed is the forerunner, then I am the Messiah. And then the last paragraph, 16 through 19, actually reaches a little further into verse 24. You have the nation's rejection. They rejected John, and because they rejected John, they are now rejecting Jesus. But the intent of that passage confirms that John is the forerunner and Jesus is the Messiah. And you and I and the audience must choose to either continue rejecting him or believe in him. And the significant majority of us have believed in him. But if you are here this morning, you do not believe in Jesus. We appeal to you to believe in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Again, the passage has three primary ideas. It speaks of the Christ in verses 1 through 6, then the prophet 7 through 15, and then a word to the nation 16 through 19, and it takes us all the way to the end. But let us begin with this idea of the Christ. When John asked, are you the one who is to come? His question had the entire previous revelation concerning the Messiah behind it. What was John expecting when Jesus came? Now, we've noted this several times in the book of Isaiah. That's his reference point. That's what he's leaning on to answer the question. That's what Jesus does. Every book of the Bible points to Jesus in fascinating ways. Isaiah means the word itself, the name, the salvation of Yahweh. The central theme is clearly expressed in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. In him I will trust. I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The book of Isaiah provides us with the most comprehensive prophetic picture of Jesus Christ in the entire Old Testament. That is why many refer to it as the fifth gospel. It includes the full scope of his life. You have the announcement of his coming in Isaiah forty three through 5, the virgin birth in Isaiah 7, the proclamation of the good news in Isaiah 61, his sacrificial death in Isaiah 52 and 53, and his powerful return in Isaiah 60. Much of the hope and comfort that emanates from Isaiah 9, 6 comes from the names or titles the prophet gives to the anticipated Messiah, Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. For people looking and hoping for the Messiah, these names describe what they can expect him to be like. This is what Jesus would be like. Thus the question, are you that one that is to come? Or are we looking for someone else? In Isaiah 29, the Lord promises to his people what he shall be for them. He will be a protector of his people, a revealer of truth, a spiritual regenerator, a deliverer of fresh joy, the promise keeper to his people, the justice seeker of the evildoers, the giver of hope in that day, and the cleaner of the house. This is who Jesus or the Messiah would be. So when John asks the question, are you the one? This is the one being referred to. Is Jesus Christ going to be this for them? Notice in Matthew chapter 11. They asked the question in verse 3, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Remember Luke chapter 4 when Jesus unrolled the scroll of Isaiah in the synagogue of Nazareth? That's the idea of being communicated in our passage. Jesus once more highlights the accompanying actions of the present Messiah. Jesus is doing exactly what the prophet said the Messiah would do. Isaiah spoke of one who was to come. John's question is reflecting Isaiah's theology. Is Jesus Christ the one? Or should you and I seek someone else? We as a gathered community of family of families, we are saying Jesus Christ is what Isaiah prophesied of. Jesus Christ is the one. He is the one that is to be celebrated. So from this word on the Christ, our Lord then speaks of John the Baptist. And remember, there's only three lifetime Nazarites. John was one of the Nazarites. He never cut his hair. And you think John's 30 years old, and he had a lot of hair on his head. And he was a wild man. He wore the garment of a prophet. When you look at Matthew's gospel, there's much that is said concerning John the Baptist in the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 3, John is described as the forerunner, announcing the kingdom and preparing the way through repentance and baptism. In chapter 9, the disciples of John asked Jesus about fasting. In chapter 11, John asks from prison, are you the one? And then Jesus says to him, tell him what you hear and see. Everything Isaiah spoke of, I am the embodiment of. In chapter 14, John dies, his head is is removed. In chapter 16, when asked the question, who do people say that I am? The answer is, some say you are John the baptizer. Chapter 17, Jesus speaks of John saying, no, Elijah has already come because he." John is here. And then 21, the baptism of John. From where did it come? John is being referred to throughout the Gospel of Matthew. But when you think of John the Baptist, in our passage, he's identified in several ways. Jesus identifies John as a prophet. Jesus identifies John as the forerunner to the Messiah. If this is the forerunner, then I am the Messiah. Both Malachi 3, will note this again, we had both passages read And Isaiah 40 are used to identify John as the fulfillment of the forerunner. In verse 10, it says, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Jesus says this of John. John is that guy pointing to Jesus. Jesus identifies John's greatness. Of the Old Testament prophets, John is the greatest. And Jesus identifies John as the Elijah who was to come. If this is Elijah, then I am the Christ. When you think of Malachi chapter 3 and Isaiah chapter 40, both passages speak of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And you'll remember that was the glitch in their theology. In the Old Testament, the first and second coming of Christ are fused together. When he comes, not only will he rescue his people, but he will destroy his enemies. We know in his first coming... He is rescuing his people from sin and death. At his second coming, he will destroy his enemies. And you have that language in both Malachi 3 and Isaiah 40. Listen to Malachi chapter 3 one more time. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. Speaking of John. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like fuller's soap. He will sit on a smelter and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment." I will be swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers and against those who swear falsely And against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages the widow and the orphan And those who turn aside the alien and do not fear me says the Lord of hosts for I the Lord do not change Therefore, O sons of Jacob are not consumed John is the forerunner to that Messiah when the Messiah comes he will correct all injustice in the Old Testament, the coming of the Messiah was the favorable day of the Lord. We see that in, Man, in Luke chapter 4. And the day of vengeance, it is only in the New Testament where we see the dividing of these two events in a first and second coming. In Isaiah's context, the word of God shall not fail, which when you read Isaiah chapter 40, listen to the language in Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 3. A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. This is John. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Verse 5. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together for the mouth of Yahweh has spoken. A voice says, Call out. Then he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. What God has promised would happen, has, and will happen. Every word that God has promised shall come to pass. John indeed is the forerunner. Jesus is the Messiah. We see this in his first coming When this happens again, at his second coming, it will indeed be a day of vengeance. Now you have this statement inside of uh, the, the, the comments concerning John. It says in verse 11, Truly I say to you, among those born of women there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What exactly does that mean? Does that mean that I am somehow better or greater than John? Well, I explain it in this way, because of our knowledge base, and because we live after the arrival of Messiah, John is the one who is bringing in Messiah, but now we are after Messiah. We are after the cross, we are after Calvary, we are after resurrection, we are after ascension. Because of our knowledge base, and because we live after the arrival of the Messiah, we are greater than John, whose knowledge was up to fulfillment, but not beyond the cross. It is only in this way the new covenant believer is greater than the old covenant believer. Both, however, are believers and enjoy the presence of God equally. So what makes us, in a sense, better than John? We live after the cross. We live in and under the new covenant. Jesus is clearly identifying John as the forerunner preceding Messiah. If John is, then also Jesus So we know that Jesus answers the question of John. Are you the one who is to come? Or do we seek someone else? Jesus says, no, I am the one. All that the prophet has spoken of, I am the embodiment. I am the fulfillment. Jesus then speaks of John. And he identifies who John is. John is clearly the forerunner. John is the forerunner. I am Messiah. But what did they do with John? They rejected John. And in rejecting John... They're rejecting Jesus. So then he speaks to the nation. And you have this little rhyme. Jesus rebukes the nation for their hardness of heart. It says in verse 16 of our text, But to what shall I compare this generation? Because John now sits in prison waiting to be beheaded. Things have gone south. The whole storyline of Matthew is now heading towards Jerusalem. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We play the flute, and if they've played the flute, if music's being played, what should they do? Dance. If a dirge, a song of mourning is sung, what should you do? Mourn. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. The flute was played, the music was going, but they would not dance. They would not accept it. What Jesus says in that statement is simply this. The forerunner has come. The flute's being played. But what did you refuse to do? Dance. You refuse to accept and acknowledge Messiah. You refuse to accept me. A dirge was being played, John, but you did not mourn, Jesus. We have done the if part of this clause, but you have rejected the then part. We have made every provision... We have done our part, but you have failed to accept it. You have not reciprocated. And then their, their conclusion is obviously atrocious. Jesus says, We have played the flute, but you have not danced. We have sung a dirge, but you did not mourn. And here is the conclusion to all of this John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say look at him a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds They accuse john of having a demon and they accuse jesus Of aligning with low lives and misfits amen And then they accuse jesus of performing his miracles because he is empowered by the prince of demons in matthew chapter 12 His audience completely misread the prophets and therefore Jesus. And regardless of what they conclude, the if and the then is before them. John is the if, forerunner. Jesus is the then, Messiah. And they have rejected both John and Jesus. And Isaiah clearly speaks of these things. They have rejected the prophets. Look with me for a moment at verse 25. My Bible has another paragraph, but the paragraph is expanding on what has just been said. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And he just scathes them with rebuke. He concludes in verse 24, But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. That's a horrific indictment against the surrounding cities. Why? Because they heard John and they rejected Jesus. And Jesus lays into them. It's a horrific message. But what's equally astounding, it's one of my favorite paragraphs, and inside of the context, it's even more pronounced. Look at verse 25. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. And think about the context in which we find the passage and inside of Matthew's gospel, inside of the ministry of Jesus, initially he is well-received, but he has always had opposition. Now that opposition is escalating. What have they done with the forerunner? They put him in prison. What, have they, what are they going to do with Jesus? They are going to crucify him. And he's rebuking the surrounding non-repentant cities, and he's rebuked the people. And then you have the statement, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding, and you revealed them to the little children, to the low lives and misfits. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then you have this incredible appeal Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the midst of all this, the invitation is still extended. After the pronouncement of judgment, and we've just read that, the reader is invited into the private recesses of our Lord's thoughts in verses 25 to 28. Much is made in our chapter to enable understanding as to why some embrace Jesus. And that's one of the questions that is being answered throughout Matthew's gospel. Why are some people embracing Jesus as the expected one and others rejecting him and pushing him away? And behind all of this is the wisdom of God that is vindicated by deeds. We assume that everyone has the same opportunity to believe. We believe that the gospel is for everyone, everywhere, at all times. But there are providential elements at play. There is mystery behind all of this that is governed by God through providence. Why were you born at this time in this place? This time in this place afforded you the opportunity to hear the gospel. God acts on you in such a way. He places you here for this moment. Yet for those who do not hear, an embracing and warm invitation is extended. I cannot think of any passes that so warmly reaches out and calls to the weary and heavy laden. Are you weary? And it's speaking to those who are lost, to those who are unsaved. Are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Then come. Come. There is nothing about Christianity that is heavy and weary. If your Christianity is heavy and weary, then you have a Variant stream of Christianity. Because Christianity is easy. It is light. Why? Because Jesus is the answer. When properly understood, Jesus Christ is liberating. He is not heavy. The fall is heavy. And Jesus is the one who lifts the fall and gives liberty to the captive. And that's where we find ourselves. The nation is rebuked. The invitation is extended. What do we have here? Everything that Isaiah said about the forerunner and the Messiah is true. When we read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is pointing us towards someone. Jesus Christ is the one to whom Isaiah pointed. Everything Isaiah said about the forerunner and the Messiah is true. John is the forerunner, and Jesus is the Christ. The nation has rejected both John and Jesus. Jesus is the one who fulfills every Old Testament promise, prophecy, pattern, and picture. And you will either confess him as such, or you will perish under his wrath. You have extended inside our passage, woe to the unrepentant cities. And then come to me and I will give you rest. If you reject Jesus, if you reject John, you will face the wrath of God. But if you see John as the forerunner and Jesus as Messiah, then you can have rest. The question before all of us is always, what will we do with Jesus? What will we do with Jesus? Don't listen to the world, listen to the word. Believe in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Please stand with me as we close in prayer. Father, when we read a passage like this, We thank you for such a gracious and condescending invitation to come to you for our peace and rest. Thank you that the yoke we carry is easy and light. Thank you that all we need, we already have. Father, I pray for the person who seems lost and hurting and alone. I pray that for your people, they would sense your presence in their midst, so that in those moments they would find your peace that does pass all understanding. Father, I pray for the person who does not know Jesus. They have held him at arm's length. They have rejected what the Bible has to say concerning him. I pray that the Spirit of God would work on them in such a way that their hearts of unbelief would be regenerated and they would turn to you in faith. Father, we know that apart from your working, no one comes. Apart from your working, no one believes. And apart from your working, no one comes back to life who are dead. It is easy for us to hear the white noise of unbelief, that somehow you are indifferent and you do not hear and act. And Father, we do believe, help in our unbelief. John asked and you answered, and today we ask and we seek your answer. Many people right now who are bearing burdens pray for that cup to pass before them, and yet, Father, nonetheless, we want your will to be done, and thus we Humbly bow before you as our Father, Jesus as our Savior, and the Holy Spirit as our Comforter. Father, continue to teach us to rest in you. We ask this in the name of our only Advocate and Intercessor, Jesus. Amen.